What's going on, Broncos country? It's Tuesday, September 17th. I'm your Bronco Orange Weekly post-game podcast host, Tanner Lee, and I'm joined tonight by one of our pre-game podcast hosts, Matt. Matt, how's it going tonight? I'm doing very well, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for filling in for Jeff, who uh, just had life get in the way this week and could, couldn't be with us. But uh, I know you are as bright of a football mind as there is around. You know the X's and O's real well, so I'm anxious to hear your take on the Broncos and Bears game. But first, let's get into some intro music that will get us all pumped up from the Mad Phonetic. Orange, man. All right, Matt, now we're pumped up. We've listened to the music. We're ready to go. Now we got to break down this. Uh, I, I can't recall a more difficult, gut-riching regular season loss, at least from a Broncos fan's perspective in at least a decade, mm. uh, the 16-14 to 14 loss to the Bears. Yeah, uh, it, weird. I, didn't, I didn't feel like gut-wrenching loss. I felt just like this great sense of hope. You know, it's like, yeah, the final outcome wasn't really what we wanted, but the lead up to that last, literally one second left on the clock was fantastic because the entire fight was, the entire game was just a fight. The entire time through, it was just, you know, just just inch by inch. And then at the end, somehow we just stayed resilient. We came through, Flacco did everything he possibly could to get points on the board. The two-point conversion worked fantastically, worked so well. And then it just didn't pan out with the last second. But, you know, I saw really great things that excite me more than any really win could have done. You know, I mean, yeah, of course, a win would have been great. But overall, I think there's a lot of promise here on the Bronco on the Broncos side. And I'm glad you brought that up because I guess my gut wrench and I'm at just roller coaster of emotions. I went mm. from thinking the game was over, you know, just uh, yeah. what just happened and for, for, from somebody who lives in northern Indiana, I'm surrounded by Colts fans and Bears fans. So, of course, I've had to hear all about it the last two days at work and around the community, but that's okay. That, that's yeah. part, of, part of sports. Yeah, yeah it happens. Yep. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get right into it. Um, like we mentioned, the Broncos lost by a last-second 53-yard field goal by uh, Eddie Pinero, who – all of a sudden, it looks like the Bears found themselves a kicker after all off season. They're going through this pretty much military boot camp style of who who can come in and be our kicker uh, since the whole Cody Parkey incident. Yeah. Looks like they found themselves a kicker. He kicked the game winning field goal. Um, what were some of the your good takeaways? I guess we can start from from the Broncos perspective. Perspective, uh, who who gets some of your game balls? Well, that's a good question. I honestly, I'd give it to Joe Flacco, man. He had 50 attempts. That's a lot. 50 passes is a huge amount, and this Bears defense is—it's uh, incredible. I mean, it's—I think it's one of the best units in the league. They—they—they um, they, they come around from every angle. They're prepared. They've got Pro Bowl talent across the board. So for Flacco to you know put up 50 50 attempts, 35 completions, he got a really stupid interception at the end, but he redeemed himself with a touchdown. Um, and, and that two-point conversion was fantastic too. He gets my, you know, game ball for the offense just for him staying resilient and never giving up. He could have given up, you know, long time before that, but he just kept fighting, and I, I just can't ignore that. Yeah, you know, and I know a lot of a lot of fans like to get on Joe Flacco, but I I, I think he's played actually really well the, the first two weeks. Uh, he kind of showed why he's got the nickname Joe Cool. I mean, there were yeah. sometimes the pocket was breaking down, and it was a play where. If Keenum was our quarterback still, or Simeon, Osweiler, Lynch, on and on, I could go down the list. They would have ate the sack multiple times, yeah. and Joe just looks, flips it out to Philip Lindsay, or finds the he finds a safe route, but he gets it out of his hands, gives it to a playmaker, and and, and lets him make the plays. And particularly on that last drive, that he ended up th- throwing a beautiful uh, back corner touchdown throw to Emmanuel Sanders on that drive just his poison moxie on fourth down was something we haven't seen since Peyton Manning 
Exactly. And I think that's that veteran presence and the experience coming through. You know, here's a guy who has been in the Super Bowl. He's won it. Um, he's by no means, you know, an elite quarterback in this league, but he's far more talented than many other players too, right? Like, just look at the whole landscape of the NFL. I'm pretty happy to have Joe Flacco on the Broncos right now. You know, there's a lot of teams that, that probably would love to have him compared to what they have. So he's um, he's a bright, bright spot on this offense right now. Yeah, I'm glad you gave him a game ball. Um, since you gave him the offensive game ball, I'll give my offensive game ball to Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he looks so sharp two games in after coming off an Achilles surgery and an ankle surgery. I mean, just the way that guy's getting in and out of his cuts. He's still got some of the best hands around the league. He's just such a great route runner. If he keeps this up, the Broncos better uh, get their checkbook out and be ready to give him an extension if, <laughs> if they want to keep him, that is, because – He's uh, so far he's earning his money. Absolutely, he's still the number one receiver on this team. Cortland Sutton is coming around, like he's he's really promising too. But Emmanuel Sanders is uh, he, he's still himself, and he played really well. He you know he was somebody that the Broncos could count on, and um, that was necessary. We talked about it in the pregame podcast how he really needed to to step up, and uh, he did. Really proud of his of his efforts. Yeah, he and Sutton, both S's, I guess mm-hmm. you could call them S squared. Or I don't know. I'm sure the, the SMU boys, the SMU yeah. boys, I guess. There we go. Uh, yeah, th- those two guys have definitely emerged as the Broncos' one and two targets. Uh, my question for you is, do you think we'll see somebody emerge soon as a number three target? You know, Deshaun Hamilton has had, you know, a few flashes. Um, he's coming around, but he's kind of a small-bodied guy. I think he's going to find his role into more of a deep threat type of player along the way. Um, but our number three guy, it's got to be Philip Lindsay. Still, like, you know, I, he's, he's running well, but last week he only had four catches. Granted, the linebackers for the Bears are, you know, excellent. Trevathan and Roquan Smith are really, really good. So, you know, I think Lindsay's Throughout the season, he's going to really get his like scat back role, and he's going to become that number three reception, you know, sort of target. Him or Noah Fant, but rookie tight ends are always a difficult. Uh, well, tight ends a difficult position for rookies, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's going to take maybe a year or two to, to come around, but you know, eventually he will. Flacco loves his tight ends. He loves those short passes. I mean, even though he's got that cannon arm, so you know, I, I'd love to see Lindsey really step up. Yeah, I mean, Phillips such an asset out of the backfield with his receiving ability and, and like you said Joe Flacco likes his tight end just look at the mm-hmm. stats from Sunday Hireman had four catches for 23 yards and Fant had four catches for 30 yards so and Hireman wasn't even in the mix at all week one so yeah. uh, you know just another week of timing getting down under from those two and I think we'll see tight ends I think even Fumagalli got in and got a catch um, which was so, nice yeah. to see so uh, I think we'll see you know a trio of tight ends as the, as the season goes along, um, I thought another name I thought played real well. I thought Royce Freeman had a good game. He did. He's really coming around as a power back. I really like his fit in the Scangarello zone offense. Like honestly, he's got that one cut ability, and he's a brute. And he lowers his shoulders, and he really uh, he gets that extra push. So he's um, he's another bright spot. I really like this running back dynamic with Denver. It's really promising. Yeah, and even Royce, I mean, he got into the receiving action as well. I mean, he had five catches, 48 yards, 9.6 yards per reception. I mean, that's something we had, hadn't really seen out of his game his, during his rookie year last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's uh, – last year I think, you know, Philip Lindsay really stole the show. Sure. Um, I also think the offensive coordinator last year was Musgraves, right? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, yep. I think he, he doesn't necessarily have the same notion of a, a running game as Scangarello does. So I think Freeman just kind of took a backseat. But now Scangarello comes from the Shanahan tree. And the Shanahan tree loves running back. Mike Shanahan had, you know, obscure players run for a thousand yards. Even Kyle Shanahan, look what he's doing with uh, Raheem Mostert and, uh, you know, Matt Breida. And these players would barely get playing time on any other team. But within the system, they they can prosper. So it's really nice to see the backs that we do have like come alive because uh, they're really talented and it'll be interesting once Andy Janovich gets healthy to see how much he's mm-hmm. utilizing the offense too absolutely that'd be a great addition great addition as long as Garrett Bowles could just stop holding man Holy. oh 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 we're gonna get to that here oh are we okay I'm excited Good. oh we're, we're definitely getting to that we, <laughs> we we can't we can't go a podcast without talking about Garrett Holmes I mean come <laughs> on now so wonderful but uh when I mentioned Andy Janovich that 
made a light bulb go off in my head. I read today that Drew Locke can start throwing next week and okay. then could return to practice by week seven. And then if they wanted to make him active, he can be active come week nine against uh, oh, wow. the Browns. Okay. So, okay. So, I, I don't, hopefully we'll have, we won't have to play. You know, let's be honest, right? This guy is he's perfect on the bench right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, nice to see that he's healing up and he's getting better. Yeah, you definitely want him to be able to get as many reps as possible. I mean, it just, oh, yeah. it's killing his progression, having to stand and watch. And, and I would like to have that option of throwing him in there if Joe Flacco – was did happen to go down, whereas right now they would uh, have to put Allen in the game, mm. which which he showed flashes in the preseason for the Rams, but I just don't know much about him. Yeah, and I mean, look what's happening. Just I don't know if you watched the Browns and Jets game. Mm-hmm. You know what happens when your third string guy goes in the game? Your playbook is limited. Like yep. the ball could only go to Le'Veon Bell, and that's really what happened. And yep. the, the Jets just fell apart. Um, so it'd be hard to see Allen go in because at least with Locke, there's a sort of uh, you know, there's talent there. You know, we saw it in college, and there's potential. He's not ready to be a starter, but there's potential. Whereas Allen, you know, you resort to a very small playbook in that uh, in that situation. Yeah, it's 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 insane already. Through two weeks in NFL, how many backups now have to become starters? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Rudolph and uh, Pittsburgh, Bridgewater in New Orleans, and then uh, Jacksonville. You got that situation down there. So it's. It's just interesting. Hopefully the Broncos don't have to worry about that and Joe uh, Joe uh, stays upright and healthy. But he did take some big shots the other day. Yes, uh, of did. course, when you're going against Cleo Mack, you're going to. And uh, Garrett Holtz had to pretty much tackle uh, Cleo Mack every, every chance he got. So Mack couldn't get to Joe Flacco. I don't know about you, Matt, but I have not seen, at least off the top of my head, a worse game out of a single particular offensive lineman. Yeah, no, it's rough. I, the one I can think of is, I think last year, two years ago, Adrian Claiborne with the Falcons had like five sacks in a game against Tyrone Smith's uh, backup with the Cowboys. I forget his name, um, but he had the worst game. Like he just got <laughs> demolished. It was insane. But Garrett Bowles had a pretty bad one too. You know, it's it's really rough. It was like four holding penalties at five maybe? Four if not five, yeah, and they yeah. did call one on Ronald Leary that looked like it could have been called on Garrett Bowles. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's rough. But listen, it, it's it's hard to hate on the guy because I'm sure anybody who goes up against Khalil Mack, you're going to hold. It's The guy is, I mean, a Hall of Fame potential. You know, his career is really taken off as one of the greats to play this game. And, you know, Garrett Bowles, he's undersized. He's not going to be very good against the bull rushing, you know, and, and, and that's what Mac did to him. And, of course, he's going to hold him. It's either I hold this guy or he crushes my quarterback, so you take the penalty. Um, I feel bad for him, but the issue is is that this is not the first time he's had multiple holds. This is not a, a new issue. This has been his problem for a long time. So it's now it's just like he's not getting better, and, and he's still playing like a rookie often, and that's just not a good sign when you want. He's like a third-year, you know, pro now. You can't be playing like that, you know. You've got to find a way to get around it. Exactly. I mean, I do feel bad for the guy because, I mean, he's human. You know, nobody wants to get booed, especially, I mean, that loudly yeah. <laughs> at home. Yeah. But, uh, and, 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 you know, he's he's come through so much adversity over his life, his backstory and everything. But like you said, this is his third year, and he's just he's not improving. He's not mm-hmm. getting better. He's had these holding problems since in college at Utah. And, and like I've brought up on – different shows with Kev Dan in the past is Garrett Bowles isn't your typical third year tackle because he's older than say a Ryan Ramchak because he went to Utah he did mission trips he's I think 27 if not 28 years old yeah so I mean he's an old guy for a third year tackle and and it's just frustrating looking back you know woulda coulda shoulda and the Broncos could have had Ryan Ramchak who's a Awesome, oh, he's, awesome yeah. tackle for the for the Saints, but he's really taken off. And I just I go back to his just his weight and size. Like mm-hmm. he's very athletic, he's lean, but I just man, it's it's hard to it's hard to watch him. He just looks like underpowered, and he just looks out of place. Like I just don't think his career is going to last that much longer, unless Munchak can somehow find something with him. You know, if he's he needs that coach. Munchak is the guy to do it, but you know, not you know, he can't perform miracles, right? Like, 
it's it's just a rough situation man. for the Broncos, for him, for you know the fans. It's it's really tough. It'll be interesting when Jawan James gets healthy and if Bowles mm-hmm. continues his lousy play, if Elijah Wilkinson will slide over to left tackle and he sees the bench. It, it um, I'd be surprised if that doesn't happen. Yeah. To be really honest, like it, it needs to happen. It, it really were it's unacceptable at this point. I feel like the other linemen held their own pretty well on Sunday. They they really did okay, you know. I think overall, like the, the running total. I mean, we didn't eclipse 100 yards, close to it, about 90. Um, passing, you know, 292 for Flacco. That secondary is just just outstanding. And and the Bears, um, how many sacks we get total here? One, two, yeah, just two sacks, which is I mean, that's really good overall. Like Nick Williams and Cleo Mack got a sack. If Cleo Mack doesn't get a sack, then I something's wrong. Yeah, I mean, they also have Roquan Smith and uh, yeah. Leonard Floyd. I mean, they got guys all over the place. Oh, they sure do. It's it's this this is going to be the one of the best defenses in the league right now. So we can't feel bad for losing to this defense, but I mean we got to feel bad for the the way we did it. Yeah. I think a lot of holding penalties cost us points. I believe. Yeah, I would just uh, a few more points on the offense. I mean, I wish it didn't take them so long to click like this this past week. I know the yeah. Bears are a great defense, but finally in fourth quarter we saw them wake up, and it wasn't a matter of moving the ball. They were moving the ball pretty much all game against them. Mm-hmm. It just they couldn't capitalize in the red zone, and that's a problem that's been the Broncos' problem for the last four years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a big issue, and, um, again, those penalties just stall drives. A 10-yard penalty for a hold, Garrett Bowles is responsible right there, 40 yards lost. 40 yards is a lot. That, you know, that's points, that's momentum, that's a lot of things that we just don't have. So, you know, it's I think overall the offense is really beating themselves. If we look at the game without these mistakes, I think that the Broncos could have, you know, put up many more points because, you know, the, from the Bears' side, Mitch Trubisky barely did anything to keep this, these Bears alive. He somehow broke out in the last play and tossed that ball for that one second. He had his little hero moment. But everything else in that game was just a miserable performance from him. He's going to have to step it up. Or sorry, oh, yeah. or because Chicago is one of the toughest cities to be a quarterback in because they've really never had a good one. I mean, no. Jim, Jim McMahon's looked at as their best one of all time, but let's be <laughs> honest, he didn't have the best talent. He just fit that 85 team so well from a culture standpoint. I mean, Jay Cutler probably is their most talented quarterback they've ever had. Oh, absolutely. And McMahon was, you know, he played quarterback in a time where it was a run-dominant league. Yeah. He had uh, sweetness back there running yeah. the rock, you know, in that 85 Bears defense. Like, yeah. you and I could have probably played quarterback <laughs> and had a fine season just because of the great talent around yeah. us, right? So, you know, uh, yeah, the Bears have just never had that franchise guy, and it's it sucks because Trubisky, I'm sorry, he's not the one. Here's an example of another guy who makes these stupid mistakes Yep. as a third-year pro, and they just don't get better. And it's, yeah, sorry, Chicago, but this guy is, he's, he's, he's as good as he's ever going to get. And they're kicking themselves because, you know, it's another shoulda, coulda, woulda situation they could have had Patrick Mahomes instead. Mm-hmm. So, But, no, they reach for him and they grab yep. him number two overall. Yep. Number two overall for Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, moved up from mm-hmm. uh, three to two to take him and gave uh, San Francisco a ton of picks. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a rough situation for Chicago, but it is. Uh, yeah, it is uh, what it is. Any more thoughts on the offensive side of the ball before we flip the defense? No, you know, I think honestly, fix up the penalties, and and there's a lot of good things that can happen. That last drive at the end, the way they we really tried to close off the game is very promising. Like the loss, yeah, it sucks, but there's a lot of great things that come out of this game. Like we got to look at the big picture here, and it's uh, it's cool to see this offense gelling. And I loved. Loved, loved. I mean, it made me nervous at the time, but I loved Vic Fangio's decision to go for two. That yeah. showed me right there the culture's changing in Denver. Absolutely. You need the, you know, like, pardon my language, but you need a big set of balls to make that call, right? <laughs> yes, and it, exactly. it showed. And I love a coach that does that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it worked. You know, <laughs> thankfully it worked after two penalties in this weird exchange. But um, you need that sort of confidence and that energy and that faith in your team. Because otherwise, like, you're never really going to get past that hump, right? So you're right. That Fangio call was, I think, fantastic. And I think the players know he has their back now. I mean, that showed, I think, the whole locker room, hey, coach has confidence in us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, um, to your point, it really goes into the culture. And it's fantastic to see overall. So much better than the previous coaching regime, which I said I'd oh, never talk about on here ever again. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's leave it at that. Then. Yeah. It goes without saying. Uh, on the defense side of the ball, I thought the defense played really well this week. Um, besides the fact that they still haven't 
forced any turnovers and got any sacks, which we can talk about in a little bit. It just kind of blows my mind. But uh, who gets a game ball on defense from you? Um, I would – I have to go with Bradley Chubb. He really – he was the highlight for me on defense. Like, he didn't get any sacks, no, but he was on the backfield frequently, and he was disrupting the run. Like, his performance just on the edge was really making a difference for his Broncos defense. The the Bears could not set up the run. Like, they had uh, six players carry the ball. I mean, David Montgomery had a good game, but – Mitch Trubisky only had six completions for 120 yards, so they had no choice but to run the ball, right? So, uh, you know, uh, regardless of their sort of overall running performance, I think Bradley Chubb saved a lot of points, and he made a big difference. He was a, a big star for me on this defense. And really, a lot of their rushing yards came on uh, one huge play by that reverse sweep yeah. to Cordell Patterson, which which was kind of a I mean, one of the biggest plays in the game, really, looking back on it. Well, he had two carries and 50 yards. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the numbers, yeah, yeah, they only show so much. Yeah, which he can do that against anybody. He's that elite. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But my game ball goes to Justin Simmons. He had eight tackles and a beautiful pass breakup, at a, at, which, looking back on it, was a huge play for the defense on a uh, – uh, Trubisky, if I remember correctly, was scrambling around, uh, found T- Tyreek Cohen, which it looked like he was open deep, and – it looked like it was going to be a catch, and Simmons somehow got his hand in there to break it up. I think he is just – I thought he played well last week against Oakland. I think he's emerging into a really good player for the Broncos. Most definitely. I, I really enjoyed watching him. The, the Broncos' defense is coming alive, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're doing really well, and uh, they're really grasping this Fangio system. Um, you know, it's, it's still a work in progress, but Simmons has really come around as a, as a key member of this unit. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, one guy, hopefully, that will, once Bryce Callahan gets healthy, which is hopefully this week, uh, Isaac Yadam still had some moments Sunday that just kind of made you <laughs> shake your head or clench your fist, but it wasn't as bad as his performance in Oakland. Uh, but it, it, it'll be nice to get Bryce in there for sure. Yeah, we need some help at corner. Like, it's it's getting pretty rough. And um, I think Yadam played a much better game than he did against the Raiders. I mean, Really, he couldn't go anywhere but up from that performance, so it's nice that he did. Um, but he's not a starting quarterback in this league, you know, and, and it shows. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Bryce Callahan doesn't come back any sooner, or if there's any move we might make. You know, I'm thinking of a certain big personality in Jacksonville that is looking for a trade. I don't know how desperate uh, Elway really is, but, um, you know, we, we just never know, right? We've put up with big personalities at corner before, and it worked out and got us a Super Bowl ring. So, and and with Vic Fangio, you know, he he's got the personality to meet, uh, you know, to meet anybody and to really set the tone. So, just don't let him go to New England. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah, no. like, oh man, I, like I the rich get richer, but Frank, it's <laughs> uh, insane. But uh, another uh, player in the secondary I've been really impressed with uh, during his first two games as a Broncos, Kareem Jackson. I like mm-hmm. the way he plays. Yeah, yeah, especially at safety. He played, um, I think it was a corner. Yeah, he was for, more of a for, corner for Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's really coming around at safety. He's a nice physical presence back there. He's a hard hitter, and he's a leader, too. He's vocal, and he's got a lot of energy. I really like watching him. Absolutely. And uh, you, you know the X and O is a lot better than I do. Uh, what's your assessment of the Broncos linebackers so far? Oh, man, I think they're – it's hard to tell. Like, Josie Jewell – is new to this league in terms of his like overall presence is two years. It's hard to really see what he's going to turn into, but to me, he strikes me as a special teams player. You know, he's got athletic ability, but there's just a certain lack of like instincts coming around. And, you know, on the other side, we're missing Todd Davis. Todd Davis is, a, you know, a good overall linebacker, but he still struggles in that pass protection, uh, sorry, in that pass coverage. Um, and this has been a problem, like, for as long as I've been following the Broncos, oh. the inside linebacker presence has been very difficult. It's, it's been a hard position, and it really comes down to the ability to cover the pass and and to physically match up with these running backs. But a lot of teams in this league have this issue. It's not like the Broncos are isolated in this. This is just a very difficult position to play in today's NFL. And, it, you know, contextually like that, I think the linebackers – you know, they're average, but overall, I think it's the biggest weakness on this defense. It really is. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And hopefully, Todd Davis is ready to go for this weekend at uh, Green Bay. I'm not sure. I, I I didn't read up on anything today. I don't know 
if he's been practicing or at all or not. Yeah, it's. I thought he was going to come back last week, but or for this game here, but yeah. I was. Uh, I guess I was too excited. But yeah, no, I think it's it's just a really hard position to nail down. Um, you know, to find a guy who's really good against the run and the pass, it's it's impossible. Like it's. You know, you, you kind of have people on both ends of the spectrum. Like you have like a, a Von Tasber effect with the, the Raiders, who's, you know, beastly against the run, huge physical presence. Ropon Smith is, you know, very good against the run. He's talented against the pass, too. He's very quick. But and then you get the other side with Deion Jones with the Falcons, who's, you know, he runs a 4-4-5. He's the fastest guy on the team, and he plays middle linebacker. So he can cover like anybody, with anybody, but he can't – he struggles against the run just because of his body size. So it's just – you know, you, you really can't get both. Um, not everybody can be Luke Keekly. You know, it just kind of like it falls <laughs> down to that. Yeah. Um, I think Fangio has a decent enough system, though, that can mask those mistakes and those vulnerabilities. Um, but it just, you know, if they get caught in that man coverage with running backs or tight ends, they're going to struggle. It's mm-hmm. it's just the reality of it. You know, you're going to have to count on your secondary to, to cover those gaps if they can. But, yeah. Uh, why do you think we haven't seen uh, Von Miller really emerge yet through two games? I've been asking myself that, you know, almost every day, and it, I just don't see um, a jolt from the defense. Like that first step off the line, there's no energy. It's like there's no burst. There's no drive to get to the quarterback it feels like it feels like there's just a certain like we don't really know what we're doing but we're going to try anyways um i think miller's a little uncomfortable in this system i think he's not used to maybe the complexities of it all um you know complex and not like it's still a a simple enough system but it a culture change and it's never as simple as we, we we think of course but you know, I just don't know if it, if it is, his age is catching up to him. He's not that old. You it's know, he's 30. 30, yeah. yeah. But, you know, a lot of players are playing at really high level past his age. Yep. Um, but, you know, it could be a mix of just age. It could be a mix of system. It could be a mix of I, – I just really don't know. it. I mean, this guy's supposed to be a Hall of Fame talent, and he's this year just not demonstrating anything of yeah. it. You know, it's he's just being outplayed at the position, and he's lacking that sort of that 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 fierceness that he's had for his entire career. So I I really don't know what to say with this. It's it's, it's tough just scary question. to watch. Yeah. You know? it's, it's a yeah. tough question. It's frustrating to watch when you're seeing a guy of his caliber like Cleo Mack just. And I know he was going against Garrett Bowles, but I mean just getting pressure on Flacco constantly, and then it just seems like Miller's nowhere to be found. But yet Bradley Chubb's this close from getting. Three, di- three different times this close from getting sacks, and yeah. especially on the one of the most bogus roughing pass- passer calls I've ever seen in my life. Oh, but, it's insane. Yeah. But those are happening in every game. Like, they the are. refs have so much input into who wins or loses. You know, it's it's these ridiculous calls that are just – it's hard to tell. It's hard to let these guys just play football. You know? Yeah, it, it's the new – the roughing the passer is the new, is it a catch or not a catch? You yes. Know? They, yes. That's what it's turning into. You just – these defenders – don't know how to t- – I mean, because, you know, you put too much body weight on them, you're going to get flagged, okay? So if you barely wrap up, then say a quarterback spins out, gets first down, then you're getting your butt chewed in film session the next day. So yeah. it's like – You can't win. You can't win. <laughs> you really can't. I mean, I, I, I get it on two perspectives. One, the body weight thing, yeah, it's tough. Like, you know, quarterbacks weigh, you know, 2 220 unless you're Cam Newton, but these defensive tackles and defensive ends, 300-some pounds coming at full tilt, it's going to hurt. It's about saving the players. But at the same time, quarterbacks are a huge business investment. They're a huge marketing tool. They're, they're the main moneymaker for a team. And, you know, you have to protect these, these investments because once you lose your quarterback, look what happens. Look what happens with the Steelers right now. They completely changed. Breeze. Drew Brees going down for six weeks. The, the Saints are no longer a top, you know, Super Bowl contender. It's it's you know sad to say. So it's like you lose that that huge asset you have, and it completely changes the outlook on your team. So I kind of get it that you have to protect them. Yeah. At the same time, there's got to be some way to define what is roughing the passer and what is not. You know, some stuff is bogus. Well, and, and, bogus. I, and I just wish it was more consistent because you yes. see that call against Bradley Chubb, but then I watched the Rams-Saints game the other day, and Clay Matthews picks Teddy Bridgewater up and pretty much body slams and there's no flag. It's like... Yeah. 
don't it's, know. I mean, refs are human. That is yes, the hardest are. job in the entire NFL. From any position of any, you know, any team, a referee is the hardest one. And it goes unthanked every time. Everybody hates the refs. And it's, it's just a, a, a just, it's hard. That's, that's really what it is. And we can't put all the blame on them, but at the end of the day, there's still a certain level of accountability and consistency, like you said, that we have to bring in because otherwise it's just taking away from the games. Like yep. it's really just not fun for everybody at this point. Everybody loses. So no. it's, yep. It's you hit the nail on the head right yeah. there. Um, any more thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? You know, I think that they're, they're lacking a certain zest and certain drive. Um, it's, I just know it's going to come though. I think Fangio, like we talked, I talked about this on, on the pregame as well, but Fangio's never coached from the sidelines. He's always been in the booth. So now all of a sudden you're calling a game from looking at it from hundreds of feet in the air. You can see trends and stuff a lot easier when you're looking at players from overhead, right? You can tell exactly what an offense is doing, but from the sideline, you know, it's hard to tell what the receiver on the other side is doing, right? And you, and you got to communicate. So there's a lot of sort of logistic issues that are happening right now, I'm sure. And, it, you know, it's getting the right call out. It's the confidence in the call. It's a lot of different things that play into this. So, you know, these things will get hashed out. You could tell they were much better week two than they were week one. Um, but overall, there's a certain energy that just isn't there for the for the defense that just needs to happen and somebody needs to start i think kareem jackson is the closest guy right now to really start to bring the zest but if von miller doesn't step up my goodness yeah. this is a uh, may you know should we consider trading him in the offseason if he doesn't get better it's hard to say he's a hometown hero you know he's not from he's not from denver or colorado no no, no he's so. from uh texas yeah okay so regardless he's he's a brilliant brilliant bronco he's one of the best but at the end of the day, it's a business, and if he can't produce, this could be a good trade asset to help you know build our team other places. You know, Bradley Chubb, I'm sure, can step into the, being a number one pass rusher. Um, it's just sad to think that Von Miller might be out sooner than we want him to. You know. Yeah, and he we're gonna need him this week because all of a sudden we are playing a quarterback that's elite. Yes. In in Aaron yes. Rodgers, so. Oh, he's he's legendary. He's more than elite. This yeah. guy is yeah. you know trans, He's he's a generational quarterback. And they're going against an offense, and I don't want to talk too much about the game because I know you and Jared will cover that on the on the pregame podcast. But they're going against an offense all of a sudden in Green Bay that can all of a sudden run the ball this year for the yeah. first time in years. Yeah, yeah, they've got a, a Matt Lafleur, young OC. It's it's fun to see. You know, he didn't really run a lot with Tennessee last year, but then when he did, Derrick Henry just started having this massive game. So I think his uh, mood changed a lot on the running game, and it's uh, it's coming alive. Aaron uh, said Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams like they're. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pairing up to be a, a you know a good backfield, so it, it it'll be a, it'll be a very big game. We and, really need our defense to step and, up. And the Packers have a good defense too. They've been playing yes. well the first two weeks against the Bears and the oh, Vikings. Yes. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, it's at Lambeau, a place the Broncos have never won at since the merger. Oh, they wow. did they okay. did tie. In 1987, but they've never won there. So uh, hmm. a good time now. Then. Uh, I mean, why not oh, now? I mean, better now. Crazier than never. things have happened. Yeah, crazier things have happened, and there's always week three is always an interesting one. You know, there's a lot of upsets that happen, um, so this could be one of them. But uh, we're getting a huge team performance for that to happen, though. But uh, if they want to hear our predictions, they're going to have to listen to the pregame podcast. That is right. That is right. Our, to hear our predictions. So, but uh, Matt. This is something Jeff and I did uh, last week. We went ahead because, you know, not only are we Bronco fans, we're big NFL fans too, and we're hoping that everybody listening to this podcast is. So we went at, we went ahead and uh, predicted all the games last week. Is that something you want to do? Oh, absolutely. All right, let's my do favorite it. things to do. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, let's see here. We got a Thursday night uh, divisional matchup this week. Uh, the Titans head down to Jacksonville. Hmm. This is an interesting one. We've got Gardner Minshew. Have you have you heard much about uh, Gardner? Yeah, he's got a very cool backstory. Um, yes, and all. even even current story. The guy warms up in the locker room, with nothing but a jock strap. He's stretching in front of everybody, <laughs> you know. And I, if there's one thing I like with him, is his confidence. Oh, yeah. He he is absolutely sure of himself. I mean, his his appearance, his demeanor, it's. It's exciting. It's fun. I think he's better than Nick Foles. Honestly, just watch him now. And I think Nick Foles, if he, if if Minshew can get a grip on this offense and and, and bring some wins, I think Foles is going to be out the building. 
um, he's promising. And I've never seen Minshew and Uncle Rico off Napoleon Dynamite in the same room at the same time. <laughs> that's true. You know what? That's true. I mean, I haven't seen you and Batman in the same room at the same oh, time either, right? So uh, I think it's possible. Yeah, you know, you might be you on never know. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, jokes aside, though, I, you know, I think the hometown, the home team usually has an advantage on Thursday night. Um, the Jacksonville defense is slowly falling apart with Jalen Ramsey playing his, you know, Antonio Brown role. Uh, the Titans are, you know, coming together. And honestly, I think the Titans win this. They come on the road and they're going to uh, skim by the Jaguars. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like the Titans as well. Uh, I actually thought they were going to beat the Colts this past week. Uh, but the, yeah. Colts, the Colts just own the Titans. So let's be honest, they really do. Um, or at least they did when Andrew Luck was there. Now they mm-hmm. got to win with Jacoby Brissett. But I'm a big uh, Mike Vrabel fan. I think he's a really good football coach. I like the culture he's instilling down there in Tennessee. I'm not the biggest Marcus Mariota fan. I actually I won't be surprised if we see Ryan Tannehill unsee him. Not that I'm a huge Tannehill fan either, but um, I think they're kind of similar quarterbacks. But I could see oh they're that. very similar. I could see you that know, happening this year sometime. Oh yeah, they're both you know mobile guys. Like I think Tannehill has. A bit more potential with his arm, he's you know, but I think they're you know just kind of the same sort of player, and I don't have faith in either one of them. I really don't. But they have a great running game and, and a good offensive line and more yep. good things around them, so I think they'll be able to uh, outpace the Jaguars. Yep, I like the Titans as well. We're on the same page in that one. This is a uh, I was gonna say interesting matchup, but really you got an zero and two team against a two and zero team. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Yeah, I think the Bills take care of business. They've they're 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 resilient. I really love their energy. Like they were being dominated by the Jets two weeks ago, and they came back and won. Um, I mean, the Jets are showing their true colors, but uh, still, I think that's you know they deserve. They really earned that win. And then against the Giants, the Giants are another porous defense. So I think that the the Bills, you know. They, they earned that win too. And against the Bengals, same story. Mediocre offense with minimal weapons and a defense that's just, well, they put up, they allowed the 49ers for 41 on them. So I'm taking the Bills easily at home. I think they're going to win by, you know, more, more, multiple scores. Yeah, I like the Bills too to start off 3 0. Bills Mafia is going to be really just throwing each other through flaming tables and jumping off vans and, uh, I mean, this is their third game in a row in the state of New York, but their first home game, they went 2-0 and uh, in the same stadium in two different weeks at MetLife Stadium against the Jets and the Giants. That might be the most wins in MetLife Stadium we see all year. So Josh, Josh Allen might be the only quarterback in that stadium to get two wins. Um, oh, absolutely. But I, I like Josh Allen. I really do. I think he fits the Buffalo pretty well. And uh I think uh, they get off to three no start and could be a sleeper maybe for uh, the wild card. And I would love to see somebody contend with the Patriots in that East Division. Absolutely, I think you know the Bills are way better than the Dolphins and the Jets. I think they sweep both of them. Oh, yeah. um, I think they lose both games to the Patriots, but 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 the Bills have surprised a lot of people. They've got a sneaky defense. Last year they finished second overall in total defense. And they just got better this year. So I think, you know, they're they're really under the radar. And I think that's exactly where they want to be. And they, they keep winning like this. They're going to make some noise. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And Cincinnati just, uh, I think they, they kind of, yeah, they, they I think they could go about 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 this year. And I think they surprised everybody because they darn near upset Seattle week one. But then this week they came back to earth. So Yeah, yeah they really did. Um, they, they're just going to keep you know, playing at this level, they're just they're just not as you know as good as they once were two decades ago. No, they're not. No. Uh, this game is I just cannot believe the point spread on this one. Well, I can because the Dolphins are just <laughs> trash. But the Dolphins, uh, 0-2 Dolphins, travel to the two and zero Cowboys, and the Cowboys are twenty one and a half point favorites. Oh, is it 21 and a half right now? Yep. I, I, didn't we see something like 30 points or something at one point? Somebody 37? in our group chat said 30, but I, I don't know if where they saw that, but my app yeah, says 21 rich. and a half. So. Yeah, I, I mean, 21 and a half is that's, honestly reasonable. I, I can't see the Dolphins doing anything oh. here. Their team is depleted. They have no more talent, it seems like. I mean, I mean, they are tanking for Tua, and they have three first-round picks now next year. Yeah. Uh, they have, I think, I forget, a ridiculous, like 12 of the top 100 or, or 10 of the top 100, something just stupid next year. I mean, they're 
if you're gonna tank, they're they're tanking hard. I mean, they're doing it right. So yeah, they're doing it right, and they're not done. I mean, I think they're still trying to move uh, Drake, uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, yep. sorry, and even Xavier Howard. I mean, they just signed up to an extension this year, but uh, anything can change at this point. I'm sure there's a team out there that will love to take his contract on. So they're they're gonna keep selling their their talent and just keep you know racking up the the future picks. Yeah, I think the Cowboys roll. Cowboys rolling this one and one of the most yeah. arrogant, obnoxious, annoying fan bases in the NFL <laughs> are going to start saying they can punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. So. Oh, I'm glad that you and I are both on the same page on that one. I can't stand them. Yeah, yeah, me neither. It's okay, but yeah, I think the Cowboys just take care of business. Yeah. It'll be just it'll get out of hand really fast. Yeah, Dak Prescott's actually played really well through two weeks, and I don't see that changing this week. So. No, God, no, no. Here's a game you're going to have some interest in, the Atlanta Falcons at the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting one because week one Falcons were a dumpster fire. And then week two Falcons were just, you know, the best performance they I think they've had in the last two years. Like they were just great. They played really hard. They played fast. They've got new coordinators. Um, you know, there's there's a new energy there, I think, on this roster. And uh, this is a make or break year for a lot of people in this organization. So I think the Falcons just they keep rolling with their momentum and they, they come in with a, a win. Um, the Eagles, honestly, are my Super Bowl pick. I think they're in the NFC. They're going to make the big game. Um, and the Falcons took care of business there. The roster was depleted, yes, but uh, the Colts are, you know, they're without their elite talent right now. And I think that the uh, Falcons, they just, you know, they, they take care of business. Yeah, Colts uh, have their home opener. They lost a tough week one matchup at Chargers in overtime. Squeaked one out against Tennessee. But I, I like this Falcons team. I think the Falcons find a way to get it done. And I'll go out on a limb and say Adam Vinatieri misses either a field goal or an, or an extra point this week. Oh man, I think his leg's gonna fall. This might be the like the the game with the oldest kickers in the league. Matt Bryant, I think, is like forty three, and Vinatieri's like in his early sixties. So yeah. it'll be really cool to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to I, see these old guys go at it. I think Adam literally is forty six, if not forty seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's forty six years old. Yeah, old. But, yeah, um, yeah. Good for him. For yeah, his, oh yeah. Yeah. He's playing hard, but man, he's uh, he's close to the end. Yeah, the Colts pretty much talked him out of retiring yesterday, so yeah. he's still yeah, their yeah. kicker at least for this week. But they did have some kicker tryouts, so that uh, tells yeah. me he might not be around too much longer. Yeah. Which Poor Colts, though, eh? Losing Andrew Luck, I know, it right before up. the season starts, it's it's really really hard to see. I love Luck. I think he was just I, one of the most fun players to watch. You know, and, and I live in Indiana, of course, like oh, our yeah. listeners know, and so I hear a lot of Colts stuff. Trust me, mm. but uh, you know, I always tell Colts fans, hey, I think Ryan Grigson screwed it up because he got the keys to a brand new fresh Ferrari and pretty much drove it down a pothole ridden road. And then had a, then then you had to park that Ferrari at fifty thousand yeah. miles. So yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, it's it's just what it is. I mean, it's an unfortunate yep. situation. I wish Andrew Luck all the best, yep. but uh, the Colts just really lost all their playoff. I, I love Jacoby Brissett. I think he's way better than people think he is. But I don't. I still don't think he's an elite talent. You know uh, what I mean? Like I agree. And the Colts have pieces. I mean, a great offensive line and, and some really good defensive pieces. I mean, this team with Andrew Luck was ready to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I'm just. I'm not so sure with Jacoby Brissett that they even make the playoffs. So. No, I mean, just given their division, I think they'll have a chance. But uh, it'll it'll be a sneak in if anything. Uh, the Ravens at the Chiefs. Interesting matchup here. Yo, this is going to be the game of the week. This one's going to be great because the Chiefs' defense isn't really that great. Uh, they lean on on the offense quite a bit, and you know, so I think Lamar Jackson's going to have himself another fantastic week. But Patrick Mahomes is my boy, man. I love him. He's my favorite player right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know with all the Broncos fans, they don't <laughs> like that, but. I just can't hate on that kind of talent. He is, like, generational. It's just what it is. I'm sure the guy would tear his ACL and he'd still keep playing. He's not human. I'm convinced of it. So. I, I've never seen a quarterback with such a strong arm that can also move the way he mm-hmm. moves. I, I've just never mm-hmm. seen anything like it. He just turned 24 either today or yesterday. I mean, he's going to be a thorn in the Broncos' side for the next stop. Uh, 12 years i mean unfortunately minimum minimum absolutely he's uh he's he's amazing so i'm I'm picking the chiefs i think this will be a very high scoring game uh i just think that the chiefs at home just have that that it factor that you know no other team in the league really has so you know 
Sorry, Broncos fans, but no, I I hate doing it, but I'm picking the Chiefs as well. I think they're just going to be too much for uh, the Ravens and Arrowhead. But I have been really impressed with Lamar Jackson's play through two oh, weeks. Oh yes, he's fantastic. He's really coming along. I love seeing this sort of. There's like a changing of the guard in terms of quarterbacks right now. You know, the Breeze, the Brady's, the Roethlisberger's, like. They're good, but they're on the out. And now you've got like Mahomes, Jackson, Watson, Mayfield. Like it's like the new era of of quarterbacks is coming through, and it's great to see that they're you know as good as advertised. No doubt. Um, got another AFC West team in this matchup: the Raiders at the Vikings. Wow. Boy, I, I don't know about you, but I mean we're we're kind of going straight home teams here. But I'm picking the Vikings. I think the Raiders showed their true colors last week. The week one, week one's always a lie. You never get the truth out of teams. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put up 48 on the Saints. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, week one, yeah. just we were on the bad end of it. I think. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it honestly, was yeah. it was the last home opener in Oakland against the, oh, yeah. your, your hated rival, the Broncos. Monday Night Football. It was just like everything was against the Broncos that night, and it was just. Yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, it, it sucks, but I think the Raiders are just really what they were last week against the Chiefs, put up 10 and then stall. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings are really tough at home. So I'm picking the Vikings just based on that. Yep, I like the Vikings at home, uh, even though Kirk Cousins needs to be smarter with the ball. He threw one of the dumbest interceptions I've ever seen in my life last week. I mean, I understand <laughs> yep. if that's fourth down, but it's first down in the red zone and you throw off your back foot fading away into double coverage. Like, what are you doing? But oh, that's yeah. – that's Kirk. I, I'm just I'm not a huge Kirk Cousin believer. I mean, he's a guy who can beat the 500 teams and the below 500 teams, but he struggles against teams that are over 500. Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's a rough situation in Minnesota. They overpaid for him. Yep, sad to say. Uh, this this game is actually a higher point spread than the Dolphins Cowboys. The Jets at the Patriots. Patriots are 23 point favorites. Wow. Well. Well, look I mean, at the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to talk about this very long. Simeon's out for the year. Sam Darnold's kissing all of New York, and he's sick. <laughs> you know, the, uh, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and I, like, yeah, when Patriots yeah. win, man, we all know this. Oh, Move Patriots. On. I don't know if they're going to – you know, the spread's one thing. I think the Jets' defense is better than the Dolphins' defense, and it's better than – who did they play week one? The Pats? Steelers. Steelers. Well, just Steelers got a week one's a lie. But, I, you know, I think the Jets <laughs> defense has a better outing than the Dolphins. But, I, yeah, Patriots all the Patriots way. Patriots roll. They're just almost impossible to beat in Foxborough, let's be honest. Oh, they're yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they roll. It's, it's, it's done there. Um, interesting matchup here. The 1-0-1 uh, no, no, Detroit Lions are at the Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. Yeah, I think the Eagles had a, a number of injuries last week against the Falcons, and it was um, it was unfortunate. I think it really hindered on their performance. But you know, they're to me they're still my NFC Super Bowl pick. Carson Wentz is another one of these just great quarterbacks. His his ability to run out of the pocket and just make those clutch plays is uh, it's Mahomes esque. Um, so I think he keeps this going. I think the Lions put up a challenge though. I think they're going to you know be tougher. Than, than people expect, but I, I still pick the Eagles to win this one for sure. Uh, Carson Wentz reminds me a lot of Andrew Luck. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and even when I'm saying that, I think he's got to be careful with his body too. He takes a lot of shots. He goes diving around when he's running. He he needs to be careful a little bit, yeah, but I, I like the way he plays. I do. I like the guts. I like the moxie. Um, I like the Eagles at home here. I keep going home teams, but, I mean, I, I think the Lions are better than people think. Um and they need to have a good year, I think, for Matt Patricia to stay, honestly. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. I like the Eagles there. I do. Their, their offense is surprising. You know, with Kerryon Johnson had a good game last week. Kenny Galladay is, is, is moving up. TJ Hawkinson is promising. Week one was great. Week two sucked. But he's, you know, tight end's a hard position for rookies. So there's promise on, that, on, this, uh, on this offense. So I think we'll make some noise against the Eagles. But the Eagles just have that it factor. You know, that's really what it is. Um, we might take a road team here, maybe, maybe. Okay. One of us might at least. Uh, the <laughs> Panthers are at the Cardinals. Wow, this is a tough one. And we don't know if Cam Newton's going to play or not. He's been hurt apparently, so that's you know, if Cam Newton plays, I think the Panthers can edge out a win. But who's their backup? Um, it's it's the the rookie Ripian. No, no, not Ripian. It's the guy from uh, West Virginia. Oh, um. 
He's just drafted this week, mm-hmm. third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is know it Will Will Greer? Will Greer, that's yeah. it. That's the one. Will Greer. Yeah. Um, he's Will Greer was under the radar. I think he, you know, they got a they got a really good player, you know, as a backup quarterback. He's no Cam Newton for sure, no. but you know, he's he's a, a a decent backup. So I think they, they make some noise. But if if Newton plays, I'm gonna say the Panthers get their first one of the season here. Um, but the Cardinals, this offense is uh, it's interesting to watch, and um, they're they're looking for their first win too. So you know. Personally, I'll, I'm assuming Newton's going to play. I'm calling the Panthers on the road. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Panthers. Um, you remember their defense coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who got the shaft last year by Arizona. I think he gets yep. his defense pretty pumped up for this game. Oh, no, Wilkes is with the, the Browns. You're right. He's with the Browns. He was with the Panthers before the Cardinals, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never yeah. mind. But yep. the Panthers' defensive coordinator is Eric Washington. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that just debunks my my strategy, (laughs) but I'll go with the Panthers anyways. I I love watching Christian McCaffrey play. He's my favorite player in the NFL that doesn't have any allegiance to Purdue University or that doesn't play for the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's he's fantastic. He's electric. Yeah, he's so fun to watch. Uh, Interesting matchup here. Uh, Daniel Jones, and it was announced today that Daniel Jones era is – has is going to begin this week for the Giants as they travel to Tampa Bay to take on Bruce Arians in the Todd Bowles-led defense. Oh, my goodness, yes. This is a hard one. I have no faith in the Buccaneers whatsoever. I think that, you know, Jameis Winston is, I don't know, he's expired, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Jones, the preseason, he had a great preseason, but – I mean, the, you just look at the plays that were being called, and they were just—he was giving—he was giving yards. You know, I think his preseason stats lie in terms of his overall potential. Um, he needs to really prove to a lot of people that he's worth that sixth overall pick. Um, you know, and just based on that, you know, I think the Bucks win this one at home uh, with Jameis Winston throwing a pick or two, but they still—they still come out and win because their defense is porous, and the rest of the offense, other than Saquon, is you know. It's unfortunate, really. Yeah, usually top 10 quarterbacks don't fare well in their debut because they're playing for a team that's not very talented mm-hmm. uh, and they get a little rattled. I think Tampa Bay's defense rattles Daniel Jones pretty good, forces him into some turnovers. I think Saquon has a good game, but I like Tampa Bay as well. But I also agree with you that Jameis will give the ball back to New York a couple times because I just I think Tampa Bay is a team that will be in the mix for a quarterback next year. I think they cut ties with Jameis after this year. They really have to. I mean, Bruce Arians was brought in to be the sort of savior, but I don't think it happens, honestly. There's just something with this guy that is just not – it's kind of like Trubisky. There's just – there's a hump that they just can't get over. So, yep. yeah. Exactly. Uh, really good matchup here, or at least an intriguing matchup, the Houston Texans at the L.A. Chargers. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is an interesting one for sure. Chargers are banged up again. Every year. Um, every year. Every single year. It's so disappointing. Um, but I think the Texans win on the road. Deshaun Watson is a fantastic player. Their offense is, you know, slowly getting better. The issue is still with the offensive line. Um, but I think just their ability to take advantage of space and Watson's athletic ability, I think the Texans come on the road here and they, uh, they get the job done. I hate myself for picking another AFC West team. I'm going with the Chargers in this one. I think they find a way to get a uh, – Hard-fought win at home. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Texans win this game. But if the Chargers want to be considered as a legitimate AFC title contender or a Super Bowl threat, uh, these are the games they have to pull out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I could see this game going either way for sure. Yeah. Uh, this game became interesting uh, on yesterday, in my opinion, when it was announced that Ben Roethlisberger's done for the season. So enter uh, Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are – they lost this week, right? So they're 0-2? Yeah, they did. Okay. They're so 0-2. They're, they're 0-2. They traveled to the 2-0 San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, I I like Mason Rudolph. People are getting very you know, hard on him, but I think he's good. He came out in the middle of the game and he put on a show – um, even coming out of the draft, like he was very promising. And, you know, I'm, I'm picking the Steelers to come out and win on the road here. They're going to make a statement. They just gave away their first overall, their first round pick uh, for Minka Fitzpatrick, who's an excellent DB. I think he really brings some 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 good strength to defense. And here's, here's a, an interesting take. Like your star player goes down. Instead of replacing him, you get your defense to be better. 
You give up a big yeah. asset to improve your defense. The Steelers are a team team. They're not a player team. You know, they work as a whole unit, and I think that it's going to pay dividends. Uh, 49ers, they've come off to a hot start for sure, but I don't know if they've got this, this sort of overall skill to keep going. So I'm, I'm picking Steelers on the road. In that Steelers culture starts from the top and works its way down, and Tomlin's yeah. just the main. I mean, I just can't imagine them being coached by anybody besides a Mike Tomlin or Bill Cower or Art Shell type yeah. uh, coach because well, we're Chuck Noll. Chuck Noll, not Art Shell. Chuck Noll. Um, yeah, Chuck Noll. Yeah, yeah, Art Shell, not. Yeah, but uh, that's just a blue collar toughness. But yeah. I'm taking the Niners at home. I am a big Kyle Shanahan fan. That's I've been on record saying that's who I wanted when the Broncos hired Vance Joseph, but unfortunately Vance Joseph was my second guy I wanted, and I got burnt there. <laughs> but uh, I, I like the Niners. I think Jimmy G's playing really well. I had my concerns about him in the preseason, and I know it's the preseason you shouldn't evaluate, but I thought he played that poorly in the preseason. I thought he was going to have a bad year. But it's nice to see them getting the run game going. I'm glad my guy Raheem Mostert's having a breakout year. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to continue uh, uh, just – tearing it up in the NFC West on the ground, and I, I like the Niners here. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good pick for sure. Uh, let's see. We got um, another interesting matchup due to Drew Brees' injury under Teddy Bridgewater. Now Teddy's got to go up and face the 12th man up in Seattle. Yeah, and I don't think he fares that well. Um, the Saints, listen, they don't have a choice but to feed Camara. If they want their offense to, to really be at a high level this year, it's got to focus on the running game, not on their quarterback's arm. Um, you know, so I think they do revert to that. The Seattle, the Seattle defense is not the Legion of Boom anymore. They're still competitive, but it's just not what it used to be. So I think the Seahawks, the, the Saints, sorry, take advantage of that. However, I think that the Seahawks at home, I mean, the Saints are traveling cross country. Southeast to Northwest, that's a tough one. And I think that at home, the, the Seahawks, they get it done. Bridgewater just doesn't uh, and, doesn't do it. And the Saints haven't played a meaningful game without Drew Brees since 2005? Something like that. Four or yeah. five, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I like the Seahawks at home. The Seahawks are actually are my NFC representative in the Super Bowl. Okay. I, I kind of nice. went with a pick that a lot of, you know, I saw a lot of people going with the Saints, the Rams. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys. I went in a different direction. I don't know why. I just Russell Wilson might be the most underappreciated quarterback in the league. The guy just he just gets it done, and yeah. all he does is win. Um, and yeah, I, and he's I, he's got some good young receivers too. Yes, DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf. Yep. He's uh, he's very promising. I love this player. I think he's been great with Russell. It, it's interesting to see a guy like DK Metcalf and then a Hollywood Brown in in Baltimore. Two places, yeah. two very good young receivers, which right away when you think of those places, you think defense, and you never, ever think about good wide receivers, ever. Yeah. yeah. There we are. It's it's turning around right now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Seahawks take care of business here. They're going to be very good this year. This is going to be a fun Sunday night game. you got the L.A. Rams, who are off to a good start, traveling mm. to the Cleveland Browns. When's mm. the last time Cleveland has hosted Sunday night football? 11 years ago. Wow. We talked about the last game. 11 years since Cleveland hosted a Sunday night game. This is, like, historic. Their crowd's going to be bonkers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they just got a big win against the Jets. Granted, it was a third-string QB, but I don't think it mattered. They, they were the better team overall. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I, I'm going to let you pick this one first because I really don't. i got to think about this for a second. I know. It's a tough one. Uh, I like the quarterback matchup of Goff against uh, Mayfield, but – I think the Rams go in and find a way to get it done in a hostile environment. I, I mm. thought the Rams might come out with a Super Bowl hangover, you know, but they've impressed me so far. I think I think Gurley's the difference maker in this one. You know, I I, I don't disagree with you. I think the Rams are, you know, they're a potent team. They're going to be deep in the playoffs. Um, but I'm going to pick the Browns at home. I just have a, a, a feeling that you know they're finding their mojo and. Uh, you know, this is a big, you know, primetime game. OBJ had a huge game against the Jets. I think he's finally clicking with Mayfield. Um, so, you know, I just I have a feeling that the uh, the Browns are going to really do some damage here against the Rams, and, and they'll squeak in a win. Well, this is the type of the game if the Browns can win, everybody forgets about week one. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. forgotten. Oh, week, week one's a lie. I'm telling yep. you, it doesn't mean anything. In your Monday night game, you got the Chicago Bears traveling to Washington, D.C. to take on the Redskins. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Bears in this one. Um, Washington is a very just an un, unfortunate organization. I, I really don't like the, the way they're run, uh, the way they play on the field too. It's just, you know, it's fine. Like, they're okay, but I think the Bears are, are going to win this. They're the better team overall, although they have Mitch Trubisky back there. I, clearly, it doesn't matter sometimes, but um, their defense gets it done again. I do like some of the defensive pieces Washington has, especially Ryan Kerrigan. I think he's one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league. Just don't hear about him because he plays out in Washington. Uh, But I'm with you. I don't like Dan Snyder. I don't think Jay Mm -hmm. Gruden's a very good coach. And Mm -hmm. I don't believe in Case Keenum, of course. And I think Cleo Mack gets to him a couple times. He throws a few turnovers, throws a few interceptions. That's a difference maker. I think the Bears win a low-scoring matchup here on Monday night. Yeah, agreed. You saved the best for last. I we saved the best for last. So uh, yeah, we can't, and we're not we're not predicting the Bronco game because everybody's gotta gotta listen to the pregame podcast to hear our predictions. Well, that's okay. That's okay. So, you, you can you can give in your two cents here. I approve. All right, all right. I'll go ahead. Um, I think the Broncos play well, but I I just I don't think this is a house of horrors for Denver in the past, and I. I think I think the uh, Packers win by a touchdown or less. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I um, hate saying it. Zero and three start just makes me nauseous thinking about it. But I just this is a tough, tough game for the Broncos. Absolutely, yeah. The zero and three start is rough. I mean, I I'm just really trying to see the forest through the trees here with this Broncos organization, like. They had an unfortunate culture with Vance Joseph, and you know there's a lot to rebuild on this on the squad, and I think that they're they're doing it at the, the detriment of a few losses here. Uh, you know, so I think the Broncos get better this week. I think they play better than they have in the last two weeks. But Packers at home, Aaron Rodgers, he's as hungry as anybody for a Super Bowl. Their defense is way better than they've been. Their offense is you know refreshed. And I think the Packers do get it done. Like, it's, you know, uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, one thing the Broncos do have going for them, and I know the NFL's a big fraternity and everybody knows everybody, but Vic Fangio's very familiar with yes. the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers from being a defense coordinator in Chicago. So that could However, be something to look out for. he's familiar with him and McCarthy. He's not familiar with him. That's a great before. point. That's a great this point. This is a, it, it's the same Aaron Rodgers, but a bit of a different look offense. Great you know, point. Yep. Not the same tendencies, right? So I think that it's this, whatever advantage that Fangio might have had, I think that's gone, unfortunately. But Great, great point. I didn't even think about that. So uh, before we wrap this show up, I better let everybody know that at Orange Weekly this year, we have a Patreon account. Uh, we're, we're giving away those who contribute to our Patreon the chance to win monthly prizes as well as a grand prize at the end of the season. We have tiers from $1 to $25 per month. You will get entries for a chance to win one of our prizes. In addition, for every Broncos win, which hopefully comes this Sunday, during the month or month that you donate, you will receive five free extra entries for the monthly prize and the grand prize. We really do appreciate your support because we wouldn't be here without each and every one of you. So please check out our Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash orangeweekly to be entered into the chance to win some fantastic Broncos prizes. So uh, don't wait around and go become a Patreon member of Orange Weekly. And uh, not only are we happy that you have taken the time out of your busy lives to listen to the post-game podcast. We also have plenty of other content that comes your way every week. We have our Tuesday night Facebook live show, Beers, Broncos, and No BS. Uh, that that streams live at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday night. Kev Dan's usually joined by uh, a whole cast of us, really. Some some weeks as David, some weeks as myself, Jared, Matt's made an appearance. Uh, um, Jason has too. So I think it's just kind of whoever can um, make make it on that week. Uh, that's the Facebook Live show. We take your comments, questions, and all of that. It's a fun show. Uh, we got pregame shows a couple hours before kickoff on Sundays. We got the pregame podcast, which uh, Matt can fill you in about a little bit here. Oh yeah, pregame we look at the uh, the upcoming matchup in terms of you know the strategy schemes, coaching staff. Uh, we break down the team. We 
we get into a little, you know, sort of prediction round as well. We get everybody from Orange Weekly to, to chime in. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about getting you prepared for this game, telling you what you need to know and, and you know, just giving the, the watching experience just that much more like meaningfulness to you. If you can look at the game in terms of strategy, it just kind of gives a bit more fun to the whole sport. So that's that's what we're trying to do. And when can they expect that this week? I usually really releases on uh, Friday. We like to record uh, Thursday, give enough time in the week for things to sort of settle and then uh, just enough time for everybody to listen to before the matchup. But uh, yeah, you expect that out on Fridays usually. And then uh, we also have some guys contributing blogs to uh, the website. Matt, you're contributing a blog. Do you want to tell everybody about yeah. that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you want that, ex if you're a huge Broncos fan, you just can't get enough of us, uh, check out our website, broncosorangeweekly.com. And um, I, you know, I can speak for myself. I like to look at, you know, the situation a bit differently. Um, I'm, a, I'm a master's student right now. I'm studying leadership. So I like to sort of bring that knowledge into the, into this, uh, you know, to this little blog. So I like to write not necessarily about what's going on in the game, but what's sort of going on in the background, what I think is happening within this culture. So it's, um, yeah, it's just a fun little place to get more Broncos, you know, opinions and news and all that. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, we got a couple of Orange Weekly staff members that are really talented writers. Everybody kind of writes about something different. So go check that out if you haven't already. And uh, like us on Facebook if you haven't. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Orange Weekly. And uh, with that said, I think there's only one more thing to say, Matt. Yeah, go, Bron go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man.